0: Welcome to Slice of Life, because a bite was not enough. You've listened to Brenda's bites for years, and now Brenda is expanding her show to include lifestyle happenings from around the region. Now here's your host, Brenda Alacy. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to yet another live edition of Slice of Life, right from uh, my home office here in Williamsville, sitting here with my dog and cat by my side, and uh, a reflection, I think, of how different life is from just a mere seven, eight months ago when uh, we all became you know, part of this new COVID-19 scene. And uh, we'll talk about that and, and how we're all coping and the challenges we face, along with uh, other life challenges. It's not as if life stops with our other challenges. And we'll talk about all of that in our first segment here on Slice of Life with Jessica Pirro. She is the CEO of Crisis Services, uh, an invaluable agency that's available to our community 24-7. We'll talk with Jessica in just a moment. And your calls are welcome too. 716-803-1520 to talk to Jessica directly today. 803-1520. In the second half of the show, we'll talk with uh, Amanda Farrell. She is with Connect life, and there is a critical need for blood donations right now. The need is always there, but it's particularly important now uh, because of that uh, pesky pandemic that we continue to deal with. But first, without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome Jessica Pirro to Slice of Life. Good morning, Jessica. Thanks for joining us.
1: Good morning, Brenda. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Always good to talk to you, and you are a ray of sunshine in a very dark world sometimes for many people. Your agency does so much work, Jessica, that people may not be uh, familiar with. I was uh, looking at your website this morning, which is very well done, by the way, easy to navigate and you know, clear with phone numbers that are important for people perhaps in crisis. They don't have to search for it. Uh, tell us some of the many, many services you offer at Crisis Services.
1: Well, I think we really like to highlight crisis services as the very comprehensive crisis center for our community. And a lot of people, as the agency started actually over 52 years ago, um, with our hotline services. A lot of people know us for our hotline, and it's a great resource and support. We have our amazing crisis first responders ready to take your calls 24-7 um, to provide support on any type of situation and any type of crisis. And, and we do like to also mention that, um, you know, if, if we do a lot of supportive counseling off of our hotline as well. So we want people to really understand that it doesn't have to rise to a heightened crisis to call. If you need just some support, maybe guidance on resources or information um, or how to even start a conversation with somebody you're concerned about, you know, our counselors are available to help you through that. And our hotlines manage various types of crisis situations around suicide prevention, emergency mental health, uh, domestic violence, sexual violence, uh, elder abuse issues, as well as any type of traumatic experience people might be dealing with. But the hotline is, you know, our hub of the agency. But we also have a lot of uh, actual response services into the community for people in crisis, including um, our emergency uh, mobile outreach program, which has been in high utilization uh, for many decades, but definitely seeing the impact of the pandemic and people's um, heightened anxieties and, and other issues that are kind of uh, arising from this experience where that team has been providing a lot of support out in the community. Um, and they'll go to people's homes. I mean, even during this pandemic right now, this team has been out and about with proper PPE to really make sure that they can provide a physical uh physically distant presence for people who are in crisis and those are individuals that will come out to do an assessment to see how we can help people stay safely in the community especially for individuals who might be having thoughts of suicide who might be having an emergency mental health crisis, um, maybe onset of first mental health symptoms that you might be discovering. Uh, Those are examples of what this team is dealing with day in and day out to provide support. And our goal is really to keep people safely in the community. Um, But that team also can help link with services or help get further um, emergency evaluation done if it rises to that level. Um, And also another big piece to just highlight is our Advocate Department at Crisis Services, which is the rape crisis center for our community um, and also providing significant services right now, helping um, survivors of domestic violence kind of manage and navigate this experience with the pandemic. Uh, They provide hotline services as well as hospital response services if somebody presents in any of the um, emergency rooms in our community after um, an incident where they might need treatment. Um, Our advocates are dispatched 24-7 to the emergency departments to provide immediate support guidance. So those are just like a couple of snapshots of all of what we do. Um, we are a very comprehensive center, really trying to provide not only immediate response, but also navigating um, what the system's response really needs to be for individuals who are experiencing a crisis.
0: I'm glad you brought up, Jessica, about the uh, 24-7 availability and even you know, at 2 in the morning you might have a, a member of your team go to a hospital in support of a person in crisis. Uh, because really crises don't happen nine to five, right? And do you see that that's right. more so the case now with um, there, there's such, I think, fear of the unknown and the uncertainty of this pandemic. How has that impacted uh, your staff? Here they are trying to help others in the community and yet they have to manage their own concern about the pandemic. What's yeah. that been like for them?
1: Yeah, it's been a very interesting um, year for us. I mean, as crisis, responders you know this is what we're we're doing this is our job this is what we we are committed to this is our you know our passion and our purpose. But with crisis situations, they usually kind of have a start and a bit of a stop um, and then some, you know, recovery process. And I think with this pandemic, we've seen that we've been in just kind of a perpetual state of crisis because of the unknowns of the kind of end date, if you will, of when we will see um, kind of the shift into more safety around um, the pandemic. And so what we've had to really um, monitor and, you know, ourselves is that this is happening to us we're also being required to help others. Um, that's a very different experience than we've had in the past. So uh, we've really been trying to um, keep connected with our team on a really an hourly basis, daily basis, checking in, seeing what they need, how are we, what are we doing uh, to help them keep safe because our, our services are essential. They had to continue even during the heightened state of the crisis. Um, and uh, with the pandemic and really adjusting how we're doing our services to do them safely, um, but still fulfilling the mission to the community. So it's been a lot of support, a lot of guidance, a lot of really trying to monitor how do we keep our team healthy um, and their wellness cared for while we um, see the demands in the community continue to increase because of the pandemic. So it's been definitely a, a process for our Uh, managers, as they've been supporting their teams in the work that we're doing, as well as trying to just navigate our capacities in meeting the needs of the community um, over the last several months.
0: Your phone calls are welcome. Jessica Pirro is the CEO of Crisis Services, 803-1520. And before we go to the call, Jessica, I wanted to ask you, kind of um, my analysis is that because there's so much uh, uncertainty and there's really no end date uh, with this pandemic, it feels uh, for me like there's always a little bit of an undercurrent of anxiety. I And I've talked to friends about it and family. Um, it just never sort of goes away because the pandemic is just so all-consuming. Do you find that that's the case, that there's that undercurrent of anxiety?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's just that's a perfect way to describe what everyone is feeling. I think it's, um, you know, when we have um, a response to a crisis situation like we're in right now, um, we're all heightened all the time, and with that comes this response that are, we're physically and emotionally responding to, which is anxiety. And so, I think one of the things we've been working on, not only with ourselves and our teams, because we're feeling it as well, is um, what we can talk with our callers and clients about of how to kind of manage our um, anxieties and really focusing on um, what we can control um, and trying to kind of take it in doses, you know, and taking it in short, you know, times of looking at what we have right in front of us. We know that there's a lot of unknowns and those answers will come. Um, But to focus ahead on the unknowns is only going to heighten that anxiety. So it's really a lot of work, (laughs) you know, for us collectively to help manage ourselves right now as we continue to manage through this pandemic. But um, I think it's a universal feeling. Um, many people have various levels of anxiety because you also have um, our own you know individuals who already had anxiety coming into this experience, which has made them even more vulnerable and then you have people for the first time having these feelings and trying to navigate what to do so it really is a universal feeling across the board right now. I think it's just depending on the day will depend on how which state of anxiety you might be feeling, and I think that's been one of the Other pieces with this pandemic is just, a, you know, we kind of talk about it as a roller coaster ride, you know, depending on the day, you might be up and you might be down. But, um, you know, it's just acknowledging that this is what's to be expected because of this heightened state of the unknown that we're just sitting in right now
0: sometimes just hearing somebody affirm your feelings is so uh helpful so valuable let's go to uh Tanawanda. we'll hit the phone lines Juanita is on the line good morning Juanita. welcome
2: oh yes good morning um i hear i don't know how to go about uh phrasing this but i'll do it as quickly as i can um i have three adult children um, they're all married and on their own all living here um in our area but um I have a son and a daughter, which are the two that I'm concerned about. My, my daughter, um, she reads constantly and is on the computer and, and uses reliable sources, and she does not go out through this pandemic. The only thing she does is for uh, an allergy shot. Physically, she does not go out. Her husband does everything, all the shopping, and he works and so on. But she she is very concerned. She says she will not go out until there's a, a vaccine. Now, my son, he, he works daily, and um, he's a little bit more, uh, if you want to use the term, relaxed about this. He will mm-hmm. wear a mask only if the store tells him that he has to wear the mask. Of course, he will He will do that. He will not go anywhere if a business says, um, you know, to put the mask, he will wear the mask. But if he comes to my house, you know, we, we stay outside on our porch, and I have my mask on. My husband has his mask on. And um, it, it's creating a lot of anxiety for me because I listen to my daughter, and she's telling me all the medical aspects of everything. And then my son is a little bit looser about this not that he's not Mm -hmm. conscious because he's constantly washing his hands and and um the hand sanitizer and he says if you use good hygiene um you exercise you you eat properly and not you know um you know go overboard with chips and stuff like that which he doesn't do but the fact of the matter is i have two children who have conflicting ideas that are telling me and and i have anxiety to begin with but this is just making the picture much bigger what can you suggest for me
1: well um Juanita I think one of the things that you've just shared though is is what we're seeing every day is such a differing um response um that people are having to the pandemic so um you know I think One of the resources, and maybe this could be helpful for your daughter as well, is just to know that the hotline is available 24-7, that they can call, which is 834-3131, to really talk through their how they're responding and maybe talk about um, what they would like to start to try to do to bring back a little bit of their living in this experience, because I know I've heard... Um, you know, from people, too, that say that they have members that just have not left the house since, you know, March. And and that can really be very isolating and in, in, um, trying to engage them. And even little steps outside or even taking a walk around the block or things like that are really important.
2: But um, she does walk. Not only their
1: f- physical health, but their mental health. Uh-huh. But then you know, it's you know, I think for you too, is to know that we're a resource for you. We okay. talk with people day in and day out as they're trying to navigate this. And the other thing is when you call the hotline, you can remain anonymous, you know, for some people that might be more comfortable. Um, but obviously if there's a heightened situation where you are really concerned about your family member or friend um, who might be in a crisis, then, you know, we would need to gather some more information to see what we might need to do. But I think for you, you you know, is you're providing the best support you can for your children, you definitely have differing views of how they're managing the pandemic, and that's across the board. We see that every day. We have people that are in your daughter's shoes as well as your son's shoes, and then you have people who are in the family trying to help provide a balance um, of information. Um, It's been hard to um, navigate that. Um, but one point I do want to also just mention that you, you highlighted is the, the, um, time that we spend online and, uh, watching media and, you know, there's a difference between doing your own research and then there's kind of, uh, being inundated with information that you can't really process or manage because of your state of anxiety of where you're sitting. So trying to limit time online is really a healthy thing that we need to control and try to help Um, improve on, um, and that might be something your daughter could could consider as well, because there is a lot of conflicting information, and that just only continues to um, enhance the state of anxiety that she's feeling that's really limiting her from considering Uh going out. Mm -hmm. Um, There are safe measures you can take to still live during the pandemic and that's one of the things we you know we do have concerns about is where how people's state of their mental health is going to be once we get through this because they've been so isolated um so yeah i can hear the you know as a mother you know too you're worried about your children and that's something that i think as families we just can continue to support each other talk with each other but maybe share that there's other resources that they might want to talk with somebody about or even you know consider Um, connecting with a therapist because everything can be done through telehealth now she doesn't have to leave the home but maybe help support her to start doing some planning of how is she going to reintegrate back into the community once she's feeling that she can do that so that might be a suggestion to specifically for your daughter
2: Uh Uh you know she does um get up you know she she She's up in the morning. she walks outside between five thirty and six because there's not that many people obviously outside. Mm-hmm. Then she comes back in and uh she says she's very comfortable being in the house you know she's an educated person uh she's uh, uh takes courses on the computer uh she does exercise uh, um courses on the computer um as well as my son he's a you know he exercises and he's outside. So it, it's not that she doesn't that she just sits and watches TV. It's it's just a little concerning because I don't know who to listen to. To be quite frank with you, That's yeah, the problem. yeah, yeah. And I think son- we're all in that same boat
1: of what's the real information um, to focus on. But I I do think that what we do know right now is that it is taking care of ourselves and our our um, our hygiene, like your son's mentioned, um, mask wearing. Um, and really just continuing to do that. I think those are, are the basic things that we know can be helpful. Uh-huh. Um, I just, you know, the other information of, you know, when is a vaccine coming? When is all this happening? Okay. That is so, um, unclear and it's yes. hard to, um, it's, it's hard not to focus on that. Cause we want to see an end date. We want to have an answer. We want this to end but we also can't continue to always sit in that space because there's answers we're not going to have for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. And we don't want people to not just be present right now and living and caring for each other, um, you know, especially during this time. So it's a very, it is a very challenging time um, for everybody. Um, But the hope (laughs) that we can give each other is to know that, there is people, you know, that are available. There's resources like crisis services, but also as family members to just continue to check in with each other like you're doing and give them the best support you can, but also know that they have to also kind of navigate this on their own. Um, but sometimes it's hard to watch that from a distance. Right, well, Juanita, thank you,
0: thank you so much for the call. Thank you. We're, we're running a little short on time, but Jessica, if you could give us just a quick um a recap about what to expect for Men Who Cook coming up on Wednesday the 21st, just a few days away. Um, a, a wonderful fundraiser and a fun fundraiser for your organization.
1: Yeah, so um, especially during this year, uh, uh, for, as a nonprofit, it has been a bit challenging with fundraising. But we have uh, reimagined our Men Who Cook event, and it will be virtual um, October 21st. Uh, all of the information about it is on our website at crisis-services.org. Um We will be um, uh, on air from 7 to 8.30 p.m. providing some live cooking demonstrations, some uh, tips from some professional chefs. We also have some great raffle prizes that we'll be giving out throughout the evening and also talking about crisis services and and all that uh, we are doing uh, during this time with the pandemic and all the impacts that we're seeing here in our community. Um, But yeah, we would love to have people join in. It is our signature fundraiser and we do need to raise some money this year to help support our costs um, that we've incurred as a result of the pandemic and and going forward. So um, we hope you join us and help Uh, support our crisis first responders um, doing this work day in and day out. And all the information for men who cook is on crisisservices.org.
0: Very good. And Jessica, I salute you for all the work you do and your incredible staff. Thank you so much for taking some time this morning to chat with us on Slice of Life.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brenda. I really appreciate you helping us uh, continue to get our message and mission out, letting people know we're here. So 834-3131,
0: give us a call if you need us. Great, stay safe and well, Jessica, and we will be back right after this quick timeout. Thanks for tuning in to Slice of Life. Now back to your hostess with the mostess, Brenda Alacy. Well, welcome back to the show, and it's a pleasure to welcome Amanda Farrell from Connect Life to Slice of Life. Good morning, Amanda, thanks for joining us.
3: Good morning, thanks so much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure, and for people who don't know exactly what the what the words Connect Life mean, uh, what exactly do you folks do, and how did the name come about?
3: Yep, so we are the area's only organ, eye, tissue, and community blood donation center. Um, this is really, uh, the name came after about two years of market research, and really finding a way to be able to verbalize all of the services that we provide in the area, and really we inspire donation, and we connect live through donation
0: well it's such a a critical thing that's uh that's needed in today's society and i imagine that the pandemic has uh has been an issue we talked in the first segment about the effect it has had on all of us you know physically and emotionally but the need for blood the need for blood doesn't go away and from what i understand the uh, supply is critically low right now amanda less than a three-day supply of blood products is that still the case as of this moment
3: It is. It is. You know, blood is not a renewable resource. It's needed constantly. So we need a constant supply of donors to help to make sure that there's a stable supply on the shelf at our local hospitals. Blood has a shelf life for 42, of 42 days, but someone can donate up to six times a year. So, um, you know, getting that message out that blood is needed constantly and we need regular blood donors to help to save lives is really important, especially right now.
0: Absolutely. And it's important, I think, to point out that Connect Life keeps all blood local. Every single drop stays in Western New York. Why is that important? Well,
3: you know, growing up here in Western New York, we are a very unique, tight-knit community. And whenever we have the chance to help a family member, a friend, and neighbor Western New Yorkers typically jump at the chance. Um, I think it's one of the great things about living in our area. So when mm-hmm. you know that when you donate with us, you're helping a baby at Children's Hospital. You're helping that person coming into the ER at ECMC. You're helping your uh, you know, neighbor at Eastern Niagara Hospital who's going in for a procedure. So it's really, really important. Um, and folks um, you know, really jump at the chance to help to uh, save lives right in their community.
0: Tell us uh, about how blood drives can still be held, uh, given the restrictions that we're all facing with the pandemic.
3: Well, you know, that's a good point, and we have really been challenged, and that's part of the issue with the blood supply right now, is so many businesses and
0: schools are virtual.
3: So it's really challenging. In the past, we would go and set up right up in your business, right up in your school, and now that people aren't on site as much, that's becoming more and more challenging. But the reality is, um, you know, it's important that people know donating blood is safe. Uh, blood drives are not considered mass gatherings. So we've adopted our procedures to adhere to all the social distancing standards to make sure we do cle- additional cleaning and decontamination in between each and every one of our donors. Um, so whether we set up an inside space, you come to one of our donation centers, or we utilize our blood bus, our donation vehicle, we make sure that it's safe and that folks are distanced throughout the donation process.
0: And obviously, your staff has the uh, appropriate uh, PPP and all of the uh, the precautions they're taking, all the safety protocols. Yes, everything that's become our new normal way of life, right? Right, right. Um, Amanda, it's so important too about um, going to these locations because, you know, I, I thought about your your agency, your place of employment the other day. I had occasion to walk through Eastern Hills Mall, and it just seems like such a ghost town. And I walked through the area where the connect life building or the connect life site is in the building. And I thought boy what a challenge. Now you don't have some of those usual places where people are accustomed to going. Have you been able to uh, adjust in that way? I mean what how logistically has this worked out for you? Yeah, so
3: it is, you know don't Convenience is a really important factor in people donating blood. So, since, yes. you know, folks may not be going into work um, or school. We have to bring blood donation to the communities. So, in addition to our um, three donation centers in Williamsville, Tonawanda, and West Seneca. We have been so fortunate to work with community partners that we now have donation centers where we're regularly in communities such as Lewiston, Olean, Lockport, and even downtown Buffalo. So, you know, once, twice, three times a month, we set up there and really reach out to our donor base to let them know we're there in their community where it's convenient.
0: What are some of the uh, requirements in order to safely donate blood? Uh, Do you have to be of a certain age, a certain weight, and so forth? Yep. Yep, so you have to be at least 16
3: years old with a parental consent. And that's really important. You know, so many... We can't do so many things to give back to our community right now because of the challenges of the pandemic. But something that's so easy is you can donate blood. And being able to do that at 16 years old, I think, is a really profound thing. So we really yes. encourage the youth in our community to come out and donate. So you do have to be at least 16, um, 120 pounds, and feeling well and healthy. That's really important. Um, we you know, do screen all of our donors, but we really encourage people. You have to feel healthy and well to come and donate blood.
0: Which makes perfect sense. And then, uh, do you still get uh, that little treat afterwards? <laughs> so maybe some cookies and juice to something to look forward isn't, to.
3: Isn't that the best part? You know, the whole oh, from start to finish takes less than an hour. You're saving up to three lives, and I think that the gold standard is still the Lorna Dunes after donation. Uh, Everyone has to have uh,
0: those. Uh, uh, I like the way you think, Amanda. That's great. Well, I am an O positive donor. So I encourage people to go. It's really painless, and it's a great way to uh, feel like you're doing something for the community with a nice little treat afterwards. Amanda Farrell, your website, by the way, connectlife.org. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I really appreciate your time.
3: Thank you so much for um, having me on and for helping to spread the word on the need for blood donation in our community. We appreciate it.
0: We're here for you anytime. That'll put a wrap on this edition of Slice of Life. My thanks to Jim Steliano, the stellar producer back at our headquarters on Corporate Parkway. Hope to talk to you next week on Slice of Life. Thanks for listening. Brenda will be back next Slice of Life on ESPN 1520.